What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/try. Go to Shopify.com/try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/try. Blog Talk Radio. When I would do good, evil is always present with me. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death? Thanks be to God and Christ Jesus. I'm ready for the fight of my life. Start the record. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, 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 this is the show. This is, you know what? I can't even get it out, Brian. This is <laughs> going to be a show for everybody tonight. We have an exciting guest, powerful, powerful sister. And, Brian, I, she's going to bring it tonight. She's going to say a lot of things, Brian, that a lot of people probably wouldn't say. But, She's going to say some things that we all need to hear. I'm excited. Absolutely. You know, it's it's funny that every day when you don't hear people talk about the stuff that we're going to discuss on an everyday basis. It's usually stuff that they try to keep under wraps. They you That's know right. they don't want it to be told. But right. you know, our guest tonight, she's going to tell it. Oh, she's going to tell it. She's going to tell she's it. She's going to tell it. And, Brad, you know what? I'm just excited because she's transparent. I spoke with her a little bit earlier today. She's truly a blessed sister, a very articulate and smart sister. So uh, she's going to challenge She's going to challenge a lot of our ways of thinking. Um, and she's going to talk about some things that, Brian, that the church don't want to touch. But women and men, they all need to hear it. And I tell you what, by the time we finish this show, Brian, everybody's going to be rushing to their computer trying to order this book or going out trying to get it. I tell you that. I can promise you that. I hear that. I hear that. You know, Greg, we've been uh, doing this for quite a while now. We've been trying to get people to remember Haiti. You know, all the news crews pretty much are gone, all the hoopla, all the hype, you know, regarding, you know, related to the devastation in Haiti has passed on. But remember that there are still folks out there that need our help. There are still people that are hurting. You know, there are still people who are hungry, you know, who haven't had a meal today. You know, we just want you to, in whatever way you do, whether it be through prayer, through, you know, financial giving, however, whatever means you have, we don't want you to forget about Haiti. You know, Greg and I, we give in our various ways, but we want you all to remember that, you know, that the folks in Haiti, they need our help as well. But, you know, Greg, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think tonight's show is going to show a lot of people some stuff that they may have been faced with that they didn't want to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, some things that that maybe they talked about but hadn't talked about it to the right people at the right, right. time. Right. You know. I'm excited. Let's bring her on, Brian. I, I don't want to waste another second. I want to bring her on because if you have a pen and a pad, please sit and listen. We're, we're going to learn some stuff tonight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, Greg, if you give me just a moment here, I'll get myself all situated. I've, I got so excited I didn't even turn my computer on. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, it, 
And, and Brian, the book, her book is Waiting with a Purpose, A Guide to Finding Your Boaz. Yes, now, sir. That's, that's what I was looking for. I was trying to find it, I, <laughs> and I said, I know what it is, but I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> uh, you can't but tonight with we a have, yeah. You know, tonight we have a very special guest, best-selling author and teacher, Anastasia Means. And she's talking about something that just is so important. She's talking about the issue of divorce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, divorce is running rampant in society today, and unfortunately the race have, has increased significantly in the church, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And having experienced a painful divorce and numerous failed relationships, she was prompted to write this book. And she watched her family and friends go through the motion of getting through into unhealthy relationships and marriages. And that was another reason why she chose to focus on the subject of finding the right mate, finding your Boaz. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you all tonight, Miss Anastasia Means. Yeah. Good evening. Good, Good evening. Good evening, Anastasia. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. I tell you what, Anastasia, tonight's got the guests are here for a treat. We've been bragging and talking about you. I know you heard us, and I tell you what, all the people on Facebook that are listening in, uh, this won't be your last time hearing from Anastasia. But Anastasia, you know, we want to talk about the topic uh, tonight is Waiting with a Purpose, A Guide to Finding Your Boaz. What prompted you to write this book? Well, Greg, after seeing so many... um women in a desperate state to have a mate, um, watching family and friends actually get in um, relationships and marriages that were unfruitful. Um, I felt in my own experience uh, going through a painful divorce and marrying um, outside of God's will, it really prompted me to alert people that finding a mate can really, uh, the wrong mate can thwart your destiny. We know that the scripture says, Romans 8 and 28, that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. But yet there is a, a, uh, his permissive will and his divine will. And a lot of people find themselves in God's permissive will as it pertains to finding a mate. Wow. You know, and I never thought about it in that manner. You know, your permissive will, what he allows us to do versus his divine will, which is what we are destined to do. Yeah, Mm. definitely. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine today, and, you know, she's she's actually almost 21. So if you're listening, I am going to discuss what we talked about today. (laughs) Um, But we talked about the issue of having a mate and, you know, we even talked about um, the issue of uh, gay marriage and how that relates, and the, you know, and even the high rates of divorce among folks that are married. You know, how how should I say? Um, I don't want to say this to offend anybody, but married improperly is the word I'll use. You know, what do you think about folks that that jump the gun? Well, it's it, really it dangerous territory. It's really dangerous territory, um, Brian, like I was saying before, because um, a lot of times when um, people get into relationships, and in the book I address, like, the different uh, states that women find themselves in, like a woman may be uh, trying to uh, address the issue of her, her clock ticking or um, – a woman may be looking for a sugar daddy or, you know, just, and it all boils down to motives. When your motives are not pure or when you choose a relationship in the flesh, you're going to have to maintain in the flesh. And um, it all boils down to <clears throat> having the having pure motives as it relates to, you know, having a relationship, not because of some ulterior motive for wanting to have a man in your life. Some women are just, and it's just, it's, it's getting to the point, it's sickening how desperate um women are getting, you know, because, and I found it, especially in the African-American community with professional women, um, they feel that they've, you know, maintained and, you know, success and they're, you know, 
they're looking for that that uh, what they feel that missing piece of the puzzle, um, and sometimes they end up you know compromising when you know truly that's not God's will. Mm-hmm. Now Anastasia, what about the ones okay that the you know how the girls they have you may have two or three girlfriends that are really really close, mm-hmm. and two of the girlfriends are married. And as the second girlfriend is getting married, the third girlfriend is under a lot of pressure because she's the only one that's not married. And I'm like glad you, said, you mentioned thinking, that. Yeah, and she's thinking, my clock is, when am I going to get my Adam? When is he going to come? And a lot of times what do you think, uh, what happens is she will settle, but because of what's going on around her and she'll probably make the wrong decision. Absolutely, Greg. Um, I addressed that as well, and actually verbatim with the, um, you know, young lady seeing her friend getting married, and you know she feels the pressure. Like, when is it gonna? When is my time? And um, you know, she ends up basically settling. You know, a lot of times because you know she's watching, um, and that's really totally covetousness. You know, instead of waiting to see what. God has you. And that's another thing. People don't understand that a lot of times it's not that God is trying to withhold something from you because he said that he would not withhold any good things from us. So it's a lot of times of us having to go through the process. And a lot of times women desire something they're not even ready for. Mm. Some people, you know, they want a mate and they won't even keep their house clean. You know, you want a mate and, you know, you complain about, you know, what, the duties and responsibilities that you already have. Mm. Well, let me ask you this, Anastasia. When a woman gets married, they have a mm-hmm. beautiful wedding, they have a beautiful ceremony. It's, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, and they go off on their honeymoon, and they come back home, and, and they're loving each other all for, the, for a month or whatever. The honeymoon is still going on. But after that month or after that two months or however long it takes, when everything, when reality sets in and this woman realizes that this is not the man for me, I made the wrong decision, mm-hmm. and she's staying in that marriage and it becomes a burden, and now she's unhappy and he's unhappy, how mm-hmm. hard is it to really deal with knowing that you stepped outside of what God had planned for you? How hard is that? That is very, very difficult, and on that line, a lot of people prepare for the wedding, but they never prepare for the marriage. And after that honeymoon stage uh, wears off and you really uh, begin to recognize what you have done, it can be quite uh, heartbreaking because I can speak on that uh, myself because that's definitely what happened um, to me. And I will share my testimony. I had gone through marriage counseling. Um, at the church where I was attending, and the pastor refused to marry me and uh, my husband at the time. And he told me directly, that is not your husband. And at the time, he was so demanding and he wanted to be in a rush to get married that he recommended that we move churches because this pastor just did not, you know, approve or like him, and he didn't want me to move because I was a tithing member. So anyway, um, ended up following him and going to another church. And um, to make a long story short, I ended up um, marrying him. My friend who happened to be a judge in Pinellas County, she married us in her chamber. So we didn't go through that formal marriage counseling, um, you know, as we should have. And even during the ceremony, deep down within, I knew that this was not the man for me. But just out of uh, just feeling a lot of pressure and um, just, you know, really confused at the time and not really even understanding um, what was even required of me as a wife. You know, I entered into that, that union not wanting to really, and not even understanding my role as a wife. And I tell you, it was a disaster. Mm. Mm. Wow. 
And, you know, it's funny because when you hear people, especially ministers, when you hear them say something like that, you know, immediately you you begin to question, oh, I, this isn't the place for me. You know, you never stop to think mm-hmm. that maybe God is really talking to them or talking through them and sending you a warning. Right. You know, because it's it's funny that your situation, um, I've seen it before, like quite a few times before with friends of mine mm-hmm. who, you know, at the time um, – I can recall, and I won't call out this person, but I'll just say that someone told them that I refuse to marry you. And they ended up going to a person who was ordained as a court. You know, they were they had permission from the court to marry people. You know, and they went ahead and they, you know, did the untraditional wedding. You know, and even their parents, you know, one of them, parents whose father was a pastor, had refused to marry them and had gave, given them a warning saying, I don't see this, you know, being a fruitful marriage. And, of mm-hmm. course, they just discounted it. They discounted it. Within a year and a half, they were divorced. In less yeah. than a year, they had already started to date other people. And wow. it was like, wow, what happened? You know? So it's, it's and very, I can actually recall... Now, just thinking, I could actually recall uh, one of them telling me that they began to worship the other person, mm. and they believed that that was their downfall. And, and that like, happens a lot. That happens a lot as well. Um, a lot of women they pray and they pray and they fast, and you know when they get the mate, a lot of them stop coming to church and being devoted to God, and they really begin to make their mate their God. You know, so that's another issue that, uh, you know, once we get the gift, we don't ever want to worship the the creation more than the creator. So mm-hmm. but that, that tends to happen with a lot of women, and I've seen it with friends and uh, family where they, you know, they pray for a mate, but then, you know, they stop, you know, uh, going to church or, you know, their normal uh, activities that they were once involved in. We understand that there has to be balance, but I mean, they really begin to put God on the back burner. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and that was going to be part of my question. You know, why do you think that occurs? I mean, is there, like, any real given reason why most people, once they receive the gift, they sort of say, okay, now I got it, and, you know, whatever, or, or what? I, I personally, I just feel that... Um, a lot of women um, tend to, once they, um, it's like obtaining a prize, they pretty much, um, like a trophy or whatever, begin to, to worship it. And they basically, you know, just get so, they get caught up. But that's that's why it's important that when you find that mate, they're going to add and not subtract. So if you're going to church and you start dating and you stop going to church, that's the clear sign that that's not the one because that person should be coming and um, promoting the things of God and, and encouraging you and um, and praying and things of that nature. So if, it, if, your, if your lifestyle begins to change um, in, a, in, in a negative uh, aspect, from, from a positive or negative aspect, then we know immediately but a lot of times we ignore the signs, you know, because it's, it's, it's subtle. You know, you went to church every Sunday, now you, you, you know, now it's every three Sundays instead of four. So it's a pro, it's, it's progressive, you right. know. So, and then before you know it, you know, it's, you know, it's null and void. Your relationship with God has gone stale and, you know, before you know it, you're, you're in a, uh, a zone that you never thought you would be in. Let me ask you this, Anastasia. Since, you know, a lot of women, when they were little girls, they always dreamed of getting married and having that big wedding and having a husband. Do you think the women now uh, that are getting married, do you think that they're prepared for marriage? And do you think that they were raised up in a, in a fashion that that taught them how to be wives? Wow. That one, Greg, I tell you, um, a lot of people have not seen 
examples of a healthy marriage. But that's still not an excuse. Um, I had a question um, that I posed on Facebook the other day, and it was of that nature, that how do you actually um, know how to conduct yourself when you have not had the proper example? But at that point, the Holy Spirit will begin to teach you and show you and through the Word of God how to be that wife because I have that experience as well, you know, growing up in a single-parent home and, you know, not really uh, seeing healthy relationships. I had to go through some things uh, my, myself to come to that realization that how God ordained marriage to be because uh, before, and to be honest with you, it was like I was – reared with the man takes care of everything and is, you know, um, you don't bring anything to the table but sex, and that's just keeping it real. And you t- you can't take care of the, the home and things like that. And a lot of people have that image because they really haven't been groomed to be um, the wife that God, you know, ordains for us to be. And I And I also take a look at the church as well because, you know, the older women are supposed to be teaching the younger women, but the older women are so big of chasing men themselves that they don't have time to teach the younger women. Wow. <laughs> that's so that's so true. And we said that tonight mentioned... we were going to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but let me say this. But right before we did the show, we were talking about being transparent. And as you can hear, you know, Anastasia's being transparent about her life and some of the things that she's gone through. Now, we were talking about the deaconesses in the church. When mm-hmm. they see a young lady come in, a lot of them will not be transparent and tell that young person, I've been where you are. Come on, let's be real. You haven't always been saved. You haven't always done what you're doing now. A lot of these women that are deaconesses and the deacons in the church are probably the worst people in the world on the street. Let's just be real about it. And if you yeah. really want to help that younger person that's coming in, you need to let them know, I've been there. I've done that. And if you haven't been there, that younger person will know you haven't been there. But if you have, you need to share that testimony and not keep it to yourself. You need to bless somebody else with it. And that's one thing that I'm I'm so happy that, that Anastasia is doing. She's telling her life in her book. She's telling her life to the world right now because People need to know that at some point she was she made some bad decisions or she was or she went through some tough experiences because all of us we're gonna do that. We all fall short. None of us are uh or you know, Exempt. just perfect. None of us are that way. So people need to know that I'm real, I was hurt, this is how I got over it, and now I'm helping you. And by you holding on to your blessing and your your testimony and keeping it to yourself, that's not doing anybody any good. You need to share that. And that's why the Lord delivers us from from things um, so that we can help some other people. But, Anastasia, I want to ask you this about being transparent and and dealing with the church. A lot of women right now uh, that are marrying men that they don't know, that they really, really don't know, they marry them really quick now, and they don't get the time to know them. They don't get the time to date them and, and learn how, they, you know, their upbringing and what they believe in. And and one thing that you touch on in your book is the download brothers. We need to talk about that. I think, you know, that's been, you know, people skate around that thing, but they don't really go, they don't really talk about it. A lot of women are finding out that their husbands are on the DL. You're absolutely and, right, Greg. Yeah, and my question to you is, how would how should a woman deal with that when she's confronted with it? Well, Greg, that's definitely a uh, a very touchy subject. But as you stated, it is definitely prevalent. Um, and unfortunately, living in Atlanta, Georgia, I've seen it a lot. Um, and mostly professional, because the new cover up is we're both professionals. Um, Let's get married, but we both know that I like men and and you like women, and that's a new cover-up for image. So couples are coming together knowingly, and both of them have that alternative lifestyle. But to uh, save face, um, this is the new 
uh, type covering. But if a woman is facing that situation, um, prayer and supplication, and that person has to have the desire to want to come out of that uh, lifestyle because a lot of women, they don't realize in the book I address how there's nothing the wife can do to please her husband. And at that time, that can possibly be a down-low situation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. We're being cool. real tonight. <laughs> i tell you that. <laughs> we are being real tonight. You know, and, you know, I can tell you I've, I've dealt with, um, I mean, not even just the issue of, you know, whether it's sin or not, also, the issue of the, the types of diseases that can be, you know, caught and spread and so forth. And then, I mean, then you deal with a whole other realm of emotional distress that that particular uh, situation can cause. And so there are a lot of factors that, you know, most people, when they, when they get in those situations, they don't even factor those things in. You know, they just do it. And, you know, when I, when I say do it, I mean they just get married and they don't know anything about, the person they're with, and then when they find out, they say, well, why didn't anybody tell me? Or they'll say, you know, how come I didn't figure this out before? But you saw the signals. I mean, there had to be something that that had given you a clue. You couldn't have been completely blinded by love or this false sense of love or whatever you want to call it, you know. Do you think that there are signals out there that can kind of point to uh the dysfunction that some marriages have? Definitely. Um, th- nothing slips up on us unaware. Um, we're given signs. Um, but a lot of times, because going back to that, uh, especially when you're in a desperate state, anything will do. And especially with the download situation, I mean, we, we can tell when a, when a brother has a little femininity more than he should. I mean, and some people attribute that to I was raised by my mom, my grandma, and, you know, things of that nature. And I I do believe some men, you know, have those feminine characteristics because of that. But there are um, are other signs that that a woman can pick up on. And that's why it's important to be in tune with with, with the spirit of God because God reveals things to you. He will show you. But a lot of times we... We ignore the, the the subtle things, and you know, and after a while, if you keep ignoring, then basically, uh, you know that you you develop what you call a hard heart, heart, and you can't hear God when He speaks. So definitely, um, there's signs. Even with you know, I, I deal with the woman intuition. With um, you know, you feel your man is is cheating. Um, those intuitions are real, <laughs> you know. A lot of times women, you know, it's like, oh, you know, that's nothing. You know, because to be honest with you, I've been in relationships and I've been awakened, you know, before, and, and, you know, the Holy Spirit's like, something is not right. And true enough, when I follow up, I find out, you know, the Holy Spirit is speaking, and it's it's true. Something's not right. I want to ask you this, too, Anastasia. When... Women don't want to get married, and when this is not a show just about just women. This is about men as well. Do you think, and I'm going to pose this question both ways, do you think women are really ready for a godly man, and do you think men are really ready for a godly woman? Wow, that's a very good question, uh, Greg. I really do believe that for the woman to actually truly be ready for the godly man, she must submit herself to God totally as um What was the word able- you used? <laughs> submit that dirty word. <laughs> you you better hey now you know you're gonna have to go into detail about that now. That that word that, that word that gets a bad rap. <laughs> That's right. Submit. But yes, uh, submitting to God is uh, definitely a um, a must. And like you said earlier, submitting 
is not how we've been taught. We've been miseducated about submission because most people think of submission, as I mentioned in the book, like the color purple kind of steely submission. That's not what it is, you know. So, but that's, you know, especially for African-American women, you know, uh, we're, quote, unquote, known to uh, be, uh, you know, a little bit more rebellious in a sense uh, when it comes especially to uh, submitting. And, I mean, some some women have had, you know, bad experiences. and But to truly understand submission, submission means to fall under. But the way God ordered it, is really to walk side by side as a woman being a weaker vessel, not so much as uh, her being a a weakling and not having any power, but just to uh, walk side by side and allow um, God to speak to the man as the head of the household. Because a lot of women, they're a book, and they know that, you know, uh, the husband may have um, – or make a decision, and the the wife may know that it's wrong, but the wife has to be um, humble enough to allow God to speak to that man, and and while she's praying, and He will, I've seen that where He will uh, show him, you know, the correct way. So, and I think that that's 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 important with, you know, allowing, you know, the woman. Like I said, you cannot marry if you're not if you can't trust a man with your bank account. Why are you marrying him anyway? That's part of why you you can't marry someone you can't submit to. Mm. And that's where the problem lies. Like a lot of women say, "Well, I'm not going to link up my bank account with him." But why are you why are you entrusting your life with him and you can't trust him with your bank account? Mm. Hey, that's good a question. Good question. Good question. Awesome question, actually. You know, because right I, I'll tell you, that becomes an issue. You know, if and when that becomes an issue, you know, you, you got a lot of folks that are on the fence with it. You know, some people say it's okay, it's cool. Other people say no way, you know. And, I mean, you know, if you have these basic levels of trust, you know, what happens when you have to go to the next level? You know, if you're not willing to go to the next level, then, you know, you you should really rethink the first level. Exactly. So sad. So sad. <laughs> so that's you, happening you, every day. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. I know you had a question for him. No, I was going to ask you, and, and we ask all of the authors that come on our show the same question. What inspired you to be a writer? Well, uh, Brian, I've been writing um, ever since I was in elementary school. And I started off writing poetry, and I went into contests and things of that nature. So writing has always been a natural ability or gift um, that God has given me. And I've written several pieces but never felt passionate about publishing um, them as I have when God gave me this vision uh, three years ago. And I knew that this was something that had to be conveyed and and brought to the world because, as I mentioned, with the divorce rate running rampant and, you know, it's a problem when the world's marriages are surviving more than the Christian world. So this was uh, definitely a message that I wanted to to get out um, through writing this book. But to answer your question, is writing has always been um, within me. I even included some of my poems within the book. So um, being a poet, a writer, and, you know, the teacher, you know, so it's just something I really enjoy. It's a passion. Writing is truly a passion. I would get up 3 o'clock There's in the morning. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I would get up 3 o'clock in the morning and write, and whenever... I would carry paper and pencil in my purse, um, so I'm I'm constantly um, thinking and 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 writing things down. You know, I even have um, 
journal over the last 15 years. Everything that has come to pass in my life, I have written it down. Like you said, write the vision, make it plain, everything. Um, I even write music. My gospel CD will be released in September as well. So I've been writing. And that CD is called? Master Plan. All right. Based on and Jeremiah. are you releasing Plan, it on your label? I'm sorry. Um, yes. This is, uh, I'm releasing. There are ten songs. I'm releasing the first two in September. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Entrepreneur. And now, music mogul. When you write, it sounds like because of your pain that you went through in your divorce, it sounds like you're reaching out to others to say, look, sister, I don't want you to have to go through what I went through. And these are some of the red flags that you need to be aware of when you're dating and when you're marrying someone. And it's pretty much you're holding their hand and walking them through it to say this, this could happen, but I, I pray that it don't. And you're pretty much showing them a way to um, help themselves not get in the position that you were in. And I think that that's so so um, nice of you to do that. And, and that's, that's really a blessing because you, you're not only thinking about yourself, you're not bitter, you're not um, in your room depressed with your head down and all of that kind of stuff. It, it sounds like you're out there writing trying to help someone else. And do you think that that's a gift that God gave you? And, that, and, and when I say what you're doing is it sounds like you're able to forgive the guy that you were married to. And through all of this pain, it sounds like you've, you've forgiven him and you've moved on with your life and you're just writing to help other people. Am I correct? You are absolutely correct, Greg. Um, I did have to forgive because when I walked away from the marriage, I walked away with the clothes on my back, my truck, and my children, and my dignity. And writing this book is definitely a way to say, Lord, thank you for, first of all, forgiving me for even having to divorce because that's, that's not your perfect plan for my life. But, Lord, let me help other women avoid what I've gone through. Let me give them some tips and some insight of what to look for when they are um, looking for a mate, that you don't have to be desperate, that God has, a plan for your life, and you don't have to manipulate because manipulation is witchcraft. Um, just allow God to be God, and he will do what he needs to do. And here's the key, in his timing. So in the meantime, you need to be waiting with a purpose. Wow. I'm, I'll tell you, Greg, I'll tell you something that she just said that caught my attention. She said manipulation is like is witchcraft. Mm. And, you know, I've never thought of it in that matter. But when you think about what, what witchcraft is and what it does, it is basically the manipulation of a spirit. So she's absolutely on point with that. Wow. Well, That's good know, stuff. Yes, it is. <laughs> Anastasia and I were talking before we did. We, we, we talked earlier. We talked, I mean, we really talked today um, about what she was going to say and what she was going to get across to people, and you're hearing it now. But one thing that we talked about is a lot of women that are in the church, they are able to persuade or manipulate their husband to buy the Lexus or the Benz or the brand-new furniture or the, the coach purses and the shoes and the vacations, they can manipulate or persuade him to do all these things, but they can't manipulate or persuade him to go to church. Something is wrong with that. Definitely. There's something wrong with that picture. Anastasia, how is it that they're able to persuade or manipulate him for material things, but mm. they can't use that same energy and power for the spiritual things that they both need in their marriage, like them going to church together or them going to Bible study or them eating and praying every morning and praying every night together. what What's going on with that? Well, Greg, that's uh, known as the spirit of materialism. Um, basically, society is becoming more and more of 
use people instead of, you know, love, instead of love them. I forget how the cliche goes. They they use people instead of, uh, you know, instead of loving them. And, and and even in a marriage, women don't think that they are using their husband. They think that you you really can't. Um, but a lot of women find themselves when they have that spirit of materialism. Because I remember, you know, being in college at uh, Florida and M, and I would I watched the different phases. Women would go from the drug dealers. That was a phase, you know. Uh, then women would go for the NFL potential. You know, that was a phase. So. Um, that spirit of materialism is is dangerous, and that's why it's so important that you know you have to be prepared in order to take that that leap of uh, getting married. Because if it's not spiritually sound, if whatever you attract in the flesh, you're gonna have to maintain it in the flesh. And a lot of people are. Uh, hooking up, they're linking up in the flesh, and it's a flesh relationship. Hmm. And when then when it's time to become spiritual, they have no idea how to meet the spiritual needs of each other. You know, exactly. and, and it's so important that you said that because, you know, again, in this generation, you know, these kids think it's okay to hook up. You know, they think it's it's safe to hook up. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody, and they were like, you know, well, well, you were once a teenager. You were once young, and, you know, you did those type of things. Why are you trying to stop me from doing it? You know, and, and you know, I would tell them, I'd say, look, you know, when, when I was doing those things, I, you're right, I was young, and I was crazy, and I didn't really know the impact of the things that I was doing. And that's why I'm trying to help you so you don't fall victim to those same things. You know, because, you know, I might have gotten out of it, but you might not. Exactly. You know, and, and even in, you know, and even folks that are getting married, you know, I, I, you know, offer them my little two cents and I'll tell them, you know, are you sure you're ready for this? Because it's not just a, 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 a sprint. This is a marathon, you know. This is something that you got to be ready to be involved with. You You can't waver. You can't, you know decide one day, oh, no, I, this ain't for me, uh-uh, you know. It's got to be something. you got to know that you're with the right person that you plan to spend the rest of your life with, you know. And, you know, some people say, well, I'll grow to love them. Well, you know, that's that's sort of like saying that, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna swim in the pool, but first let me, let me dig the hole. Let me get the water first, and then I'll dig the hole on the way there. You know, it's like, no, you know, you – you dig the hole, you make sure that you pour the concrete and have a solid foundation so that you can swim in that pool. Exactly. But, you know, I tell you, uh, I want you to just talk a little bit real brief about who Boaz was because, you know, there might be a listener out here that not really that sure of what, you know, you know what you mean when you talk about uh, meeting your, finding your Boaz. Okay. Uh, Boaz is found in um, the book of Ruth. And just give you the shortened version. Um, Ruth was with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she was married, and her husband um, passed away. And um, Ruth was one who was uh, gleaning in the field. And Boaz was a very wealthy man. And Basically, he, he, he saw her working. He, saw, he heard about what uh, she had done as, as it pertains to her mother-in-law, how she pretty much didn't want to go back to her, her land. She wanted to stay with her mother-in-law. And um, to make a long story short, he not- and the key word is he noticed her. And um, he was a king, kinsman redeemer. So she, uh, basically, as the story progresses, um, she ends up finding favor in his sight. And that's what we want to find favor with with a man, not because you have on a short skirt or you're dressed provocative. But he found favor, so he saw her diligence. He saw her commitment. So those uh, traits Say that, that are <laughs> commitment. Commitment. 
So he was watching her, you know, from afar. So anyway, he ends up, uh, he has to go through a process because really he wasn't the next one in line to be the kinsman redeemer, so he had to get um, permission for the next person that was in line. So anyway, they end up, uh, he ended up choosing Ruth as his, as his wife. And the, the significance of that, it's, even though it's a short book, and um, but it's the qualities that, that Ruth possessed, that he was able to provide for her. He was able to, um, you know, he was an older guy, but he was able to take care of her and because not because of of uh because she was a materialistic person, but he was so honored by the fact that, you know, she was a noble woman, a woman of character, a virtuous woman. Character. And that's what that's what Boaz is looking for, a virtuous woman. Mm. Hmm. That's Whew. thank you. Thank you. For that short, quick Bible lesson, we appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and the reason I had you do that is because I want everybody to understand the significance of not just of Boaz, but also of being that type of woman, you know, being that type of person, the type of person where, you know, you don't have to run behind a man because, you know, he sees you, he knows you there, he and he knows what kind of woman you are, you know, he'll pursue you. Yes, definitely. You know, and far too often I hear people talking, and actually I had that, you know, it's funny how I had these conversations just today on this topic, you know, but these these topics kept popping up, you know, but I, I spoke with someone today and they were saying how, you know, well, nowadays, you know, the men don't have to chase women because the women chase, you know, men harder than they chase women. You know, and I kept trying to explain to that person that, you know, that's sort of backwards. That's not how it's supposed to be. You know, and they said, well, you know, this is, you know, 2010. Where have you been? <laughs> and, you know, I was like, well, you know, I haven't gone anywhere. You know, but in my Bible it says that a man who findeth the wife findeth a good thing, you know. And, it, you know, and I, I don't exactly remember where it is, but I know there's another place in the Bible where it talks about the woman who kept looking for these men, and she kept, you know, finding the wrong man. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, it's so important that we teach the right way to find a husband, you know, the right way to, to to find a wife and to keep a wife and to keep a husband. You know, because right now the world is teaching us, if this, if you want something, you better go and get it. You, be, you better not let him go. If, if that's who you want to be with, you better chase him. You know, and and that's just not the right way to teach. Exactly, you know, and that's grief. totally upside down. That's truly not God's will, and that's that's truly what's what's happening. Um, women are using untraditional methods to attract a man, and that's totally not, you know, the way God planned it to be. You know, man, the man's nature is hunt to find. You know, and that's why. The Bible clearly states, you know, like you said, he that findeth a wife. He didn't say she that go looking for a husband, you mm-hmm. know. And that's when women get in that desperate term state. That I used. I I told that I told that individual. I said, well, men are natural hunters, and mm-hmm. we hunt prey. And mm-hmm. women, you know, just this exact word. I said, women are are prey. We like to hunt. Mm-hmm. I said, you ever seen a little boy? When he finds a stick, what does he do with it? You know? I said, well, you rarely see a little girl grab a stick and, and want to just play with that stick. And, you know, that's the nature. That's our nature. That's how we're wired, you know? We're wired to to go after and pursue women. You know, it's our nature. And when we find a good one, you know, just like when you find that really good stick, you're not going to let anybody else play with it. That's yours. <laughs> Anastasia, what about what about a piece of man is better than no man at all? Girl, it's cold. It's the winter. I need somebody in my bed to warm it up for me. I need somebody that's going to pay my bills. I need somebody that's going to wash my car. I need, I need, a piece of man is better than no man at all. 
truly bad theology. Um, but that's uh, the state of most women. I mean, I, I was listening to uh, a, a young lady I was working alongside, and she had that type of mentality. And that type of mentality really disturbs me because, you know, there, there's nothing that's going to materialize from, you know, out of the state of being desperate. You know, the Bible admonishes us, be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request made known unto God. And I think if people would really read and understand and take the Bible line upon line, precept upon precept, he tells us how to obtain everything we need on this earth, and that includes a man. So if we would just really spend time in the Word of God and get with the person who created, who is love, you know, we would get rid of all these uh, worldly and Hollywood images of what marriage should be and get in touch with the person who created created it. Just think about it. If you purchase something from a store and something goes wrong with it, you're going to take it back to the manufacturer. So we have to go back to the manufacturer to find out how to do this thing right. Absolutely right. Can it, can, look, couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. You know, and, and the sad part behind it is that you have so many people who do it the completely opposite way and expect, you know, good results out of it. You know, they expect it to happen, you know, better for them, but they've done it the completely wrong way. And then they're wondering, well, why isn't this working? You know, and immediately they want to blame something that the spouse has done when, you know, they have contributed as well. You know, what do you think about those who, you know, once they get into that particular bind, you know, they they, they point the finger? The finger pointing is um, definitely um, something that happens again when the, when the motives are not, not pure. Then, you know, the blame game, just like going back to the Garden of Eden. Um, Adam says, this woman you gave me. You know, so now he thought she was all that and a bag of chips in the beginning. So now when, you know, things go wrong, you know, he going to God saying, oh, it's this woman you gave me. You know, and it's that same mentality today, you know, um, you know, with the blame game. It started back in the Garden of Eden, and it's still taking place today. Wow. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Hey. It's the one you choose a lot of times, you know, sometimes, like you said, Anastasia, people know who they're not supposed to marry. And how tough is it for someone to be walking down the aisle knowing that, man, this is not the the woman for me. Or that woman walking down there, everybody's clapping, this ain't going to work. I just, I can't, if I could turn around and walk out, I would, but... I'm too embarrassed. It would cause too many problems if I did that. And it, and it happens. I tell you, my my family protested. They showed up in black, and I still went forth with the marriage, you know. Goodness they were bold. Right. They were bold with it. <laughs> wow, they showed up in black. In black, like imagine. a funeral. I didn't realize it was a funeral and not a, you know, a wedding. Didn't know, you know. Well, let me ask you this. It's it's funny now. I mean, just 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 hearing this, I, this is this is bold. But what in the world were you thinking? Did you think that you could change him, or did you think that it would get better, or you were out to just prove people wrong? That I I know that I can be a good wife. I know that he'll be a good husband, and we can make this work. What happened, Greg? Um, I. Basically, um, did not heal from a previous relationship, and that's one of the things I addressed in the book. And I thought by getting involved, you know, or marrying, that that would be uh, a recipe or a remedy to uh, get rid of, you know, the hurt and the pain that I was feeling, you know, from the past relationship. And, you know, as a result, you know, 
knowing that that person wasn't the right person for me. Um, you know, I I actually, you know, ended up in that situation. So that's, that's one of the things that you must be healed from any past relationship before you can move on, or you will attract that hurt and that brokenness um, into your life. And that person was broken because I was broken. You know, brokenness attract brokenness. But you have a lot of people, Anastasia, that will go through it anyway because they feel that by a certain age I need to be married. If I'm not married by a certain age, society is going to say something is wrong with me. I see my girlfriend that's married. I see my guy friend that's married. But are they really looking at the steps that the married couple probably had taken before they were married? Did they are they watching to see if this person is this couple is in church? Are they watching to see if they're in Bible study? They're watching how they interact with each other on a daily basis. And people don't really understand that when you get married. It is you you have to work at it. You have to pray together. You have to talk and communicate. And by saying, with saying that, Anastasia, I want to say this. Men communicate. We just don't communicate the way that women communicate. We communicate a little bit different. And I, I think we, with that miscommunication, it becomes problems. And I want to ask you this, when you were married, and, and I know you have a lot of friends, and Brian, you can answer this too, have you ever re- really taken notice that in some relationships, in some marriages, there's a competitive thing or competition thing going on between the two? Have you ever noticed that? Yes, I've um, experienced it before, um, you know, even in my own marriage. Um where, and and I know it's prevalent today with, uh, especially with, you know, things are different with both um, both parties having their own careers. Right. It could be a competition on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be competition uh, even on a spiritual level. You know, I'm more spiritual than you. And so, sorry to say that a lot of times with the women, you know, um, the man may not be praying as much as um, the, the the man may not be praying as much as the woman, and that's not a a reason to to uh, make him feel bad and things of that nature. So there there's also a spiritual competition that you have to be aware of as well. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking that you are more anointed, you know, than you because I spent hours in prayer. You know, and it's it's not like that. You should be covering your mate in prayer and 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 building them up, and that's the key. You have to build up. You know, even when you see things that's not quite right, take it to God in prayer. You know, and a lot of people don't want to do that. That's yeah, true. I, I agree with you on that. You know, I think, and and it really depends on the marriage, but I think at times competition can be a healthy thing for a marriage. You know, I know that, um, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, detrimental to a marriage, but I think in in some cases it may be a healthy thing. You know, um, I mean, something as simple as, hey, you know, whoever loses the most weight has to buy the other one, you know, a car or something like that. You know, just a healthy competition where they challenge each other to do better. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't think it's a bad thing in all cases, but when when – I think it becomes unhealthy when spite, you know, comes in or jealousy in that particular uh, relationship starts to creep in. You know, oh, uh, you have your degree. I don't have mine yet. Um, I need to have mine, you know, so, or you make more money than me, so I don't like that because that means you you get to call the shots. You know, and I, I think that's when it becomes unhealthy, when they compete to try to do better so that they don't look like second fiddle. Definitely, when there's uh, a loser in the deal. Right, right. That's definitely unhealthy competition. Mm. 
it, it, it's sad, but it happens. It happens all the time. And I think a lot of times that happens because they, I don't think the couple really understands that when you be when you marry, you become one. Yeah, You're I agree. You're supposed to become one. You're supposed to become one. And if you can't become one, there's going to be problems. Right. You can't be one in one A. Yeah, you can't. It's just no. It's no way around it. And I, I think, Anastasia, what you what you're really saying tonight too is, is I mean, it's really made me think that a lot of people that get married really don't understand what they're getting into, or they've never been taught how or what to do, or how to prepare for marriage. Mm-hmm. And when you when you go down that aisle and you don't have God in your life and you don't acknowledge him and you do try to do things your own way, you're doing for failure before you even start anyway. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And yeah. Have you have you seen that, Anastasia? Like the people you work with, I'm not asking you to put the people out there or the people that's in your church, people that you know, that you're looking at that situation and you're saying, Wow, dude are they serious? How, yes. how do they think that this is going to work? I see it all the time, Greg, and um, it, it, it's it's really a sad situation. But um, like you said, uh, you know, it's 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 definitely prevalent, and it's happening. And you you know when a person is, um, you know, I've seen friends, and it's like I know that that's not the, you know. The individual, not that I'm saying God, but I mean, I watch the action, and they just don't line up. But the person is blind, and they, you know, they want to be, they want to have a mate. You know, I, I ever had a situation where I had um, a, a, a friend of mine. She uh, was dating this guy she met, and he allowed the the child's mother to move in with him, and you know, you know they were they were dating and and I asked I said where do you think he's sleeping, you know, and in her mind you know he was in his bed and she was on the couch, you know that kind of foolishness. Wow. You know. She was blind. Totally. <laughs> Anastasia, are you available for book signings, um, speaking engagements? And if so, how can people get in contact with you? And also, where can they find your book? We have about two minutes left. Okay. Um, the book is uh, due for release actually in uh, September 18th. It will be available in 25,000 bookstores nationwide, including Borders, uh, Books a Million, and all major bookstores. You can also order it through Amazon.com. You can reach me uh, at Anastasia.Freeman at Yahoo. Dot com, and you can reach me at eight five zero three four five eight four three one. So you're 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 willing to go wherever the plane ticket will take you. Wherever the plane ticket will take me. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> Brad, you have any closing thoughts on tonight's show? Uh, I tell you, I just really appreciate the transparency that mm-hmm. I've seen from our guests tonight and you know I just admonish everybody to go back listen to the show because I guarantee there's something that she said that if if you didn't get it the first time when you go back and listen to it it's going to click in because I'll tell you we really had some good open and honest and genuine conversation tonight as it relates to marriage and yeah. and, and again I want to thank all of our guests um, I thank our guests and also all of our listeners for joining us tonight. And I also want to say that please come back next week, same time, same station. And to all of you, good evening. God bless you and good night. Thank you, Anastasia. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.